worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. It's Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, a look into the growing movement of human composting as a funeral option. Plus, Anime Wong Quarters start shipping in the U.S. on Monday, and two iconic movies with intriguing reboots on the horizon. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Composting kitchen scraps has been on a steep rise in recent years, but it's not the only form of composting becoming more popular. More and more people are choosing to compost their bodies after they die. Journalist Eleanor Cummins recently spent some time with one of the leading human composting, or natural organic reduction, companies. It's something that I've heard about in the past, but I didn't know too much about, and I found the inside look fascinating. So I wanted to share some takeaways, but I do also want to acknowledge up front that this will be a full segment on death and funerals, so if you are not in a place to listen to that right now, please feel free to skip ahead to a little more than halfway through the episode. All right, so natural organic reduction, or NOR, dates back less than a decade, at least in this modern capacity. First proposed by Katrina Spade in her 2013 graduate thesis, the concept was legalized in Washington state in 2019, after Spade spent her postgrad years working with soil scientists, investors, and lobbyists to make that happen. Today, NOR is legal in Washington, California, Colorado, Oregon, and Vermont. A bill legalizing it was passed in New York's Senate, but it's been sitting with the governor for over a year, and Cummins notes that the Catholic Church in particular has been putting out statements against it. So it's slow going in other states. Now, the way it works, essentially, is that the deceased's body is washed and prepared and dressed in a biodegradable gown and then placed in a vessel. Loved ones are welcome to place any compostable materials they wish alongside the body, so things like notes, flowers, etc. Quoting Cummins in an interview with Slate, The body and all of those other materials are placed on a bed of alfalfa, sawdust, and straw. That's going to be the browns of the compost, if you will, and the body is the greens. The vessel is closed, and all of the microbes in your stomach are actually going to do the work of decomposition. And when those microbes are no longer eating our food, digesting that for us, they start to digest us. Those microbes, they really just need a little bit of heat, moisture, and a lot of oxygen so they can perform what's called aerobic digestion, end quote. 
And once that has gone on for a month, the body has pretty much turned to dirt, except for the bones and any medical devices that were in the body. The latter are removed, and the former are put into a machine similar to a cremulator, along with the compost, to break it all down into fragments. And then at that point, the bones are small and porous enough to also be broken down by the microbes. Quoting again from Cummins and Slate, That last stage is letting the soil rest. There's an additional month where the temperature in the vessel comes down, the materials start to solidify into what we would recognize as soil, and 60 days later, what you'll have is a totally safe, pathogen-free soil that can be used to grow a tree or nourish a garden. It really can be used in any way that other soil could be. End quote. It's all a little gnarly to think about, I know, but what's kind of wonderful about this industry is that most of the companies are using the opportunity of a different process to create new traditions. Because it takes about two months before you receive the compost, the grieving process is necessarily extended, which can be a nice change from the breakneck speed a lot of American Christian funerals work. Companies like Return Home allow loved ones to come in and visit the vessel their loved one's bodies are in every day if they want to, and some decorate the outside of them with photos, notes, and more. As you might expect, one motivation for many people picking this option is to lower the environmental impact of their death. Here's what Cummins told Slate's Lizzie O'Leary, quote, some of the ways that they have created a greener process are, obviously, they're removing a lot of these permanent elements from burial, like the casket. They're reusing the vessels. One person passes through in about 30 days. The next person can then come in. The facilities tend to be run on green energy that's purchased from the grid, and then all the outputs from the process are also scrubbed on the back end. So any emissions coming out of the facility are going to be fairly neutral because they've been able to ground carbon emissions. Also, just the smelly, volatile organic compounds that make the smell of decomposition, all of those things are being strained before it's released. They've really tried to reduce the impact at every stage. End quote. It's not the cheapest option, but it's also not the most expensive one out there. And it's representative of a growing desire to disrupt traditional funeral rites for all sorts of different reasons, from environmental to financial to emotional and spiritual. Quoting Cummins's Verge piece, Despite these challenges, it's clear a death care revolution is underway. New methods of body processing, from NOR to alkaline hydrolysis, are on the rise. So is the home funeral movement, which seeks to return the care of the dead to their families. New companies aim to be cost competitive. At Return Home, NOR costs about $5,500 with a laying in ceremony. That's about twice as much as the average cremation but about half the cost of a traditional funeral and vault burial, end quote. And to help demystify the whole process, Return Home has an active TikTok, where they explain the process and the experience, as well as the funeral industry in general, without actually showing composting bodies or anything like that. And it does seem like a key element here is demystifying the process of natural organic reduction. And to my mind, demystifying death and funeral rites writ large, so many people just don't want to think about it, and many don't until they're responsible for arranging the funeral of a loved one and are faced with the overwhelming decisions and costs, often learning about all the options and intricacies and pitfalls of the industry for the very first time. 
So a lot of organizations out there, not just human composting companies, are pushing for us all to be more in touch with death in a healthy and being prepared kind of sense. You know, I think about the rise in death doulas who, like their birth counterparts, help a person along, help them feel at ease. Many cultures are much more comfortable honoring and celebrating people shortly before and after death, and around the idea of death and ancestors generally much more than the dominant American Christian culture largely is here. Newer alternatives, like natural organic reduction, may seem off-putting at first. But I'd say that's mostly because it's new to us. You know, how different is it really to cremation? And if you take a step back and think about all kinds of traditional funeral rites, they're all a bit odd. I typically experience cognitive dissonance at burials as we sing hymns or pray, but also lower this huge industrial box into the ground and the professionals present go about their jobs in such a practiced manner. It's also matter of fact, which I know helps some people in their grief, but you know, I guess my point is, Almost no modern funeral rite is 100% holy. They all have industrial elements and financial concerns attached to them. I'm not necessarily trying to sell anyone on human composting, but I do think it's worth interrogating whether it's really so much more odd than other funeral rites, or if it just seems odd because we're less familiar with it. As people involved in natural organic reduction explain, the point is kind of accelerating the return of bodies to the soil. Good for the environment, for sure, but that also speaks to many people on an emotional level. Rachel Gerberdine, whose mother Sharon's remains were composted at return home, told Cummins that she associates the compost she received not with death, but with life, and that when she looks at her garden where she added some of the soil, she sees it as an actual living memory. And I want to share this very astute question and response from O'Leary's interview with Cummins in Slate. Referencing Drew Gilpin Faust's book, This Republic of Suffering, O'Leary talks about how back before around the time of the Civil War, death, funerals, and grieving were much more of an at-home experience. As I mentioned, we're already seeing a bit of a return to this with the burgeoning home funeral movement, but O'Leary wonders if the tragic losses during the COVID pandemic might push some people to rethink their feelings about death and how we approach grief, about how close we might want to be to it. And Cummins replied, quote, I think that NOR can be seen as one attempt to reacquaint ourselves with this process for people who do like to hear about it, who do want to participate in it, who have put their families through this process. That proximity is what's appreciated. Those details are what they desire. They want to lift the veil. Whether that's true for everyone, I guess remains to be seen. End quote. In today's business world, any edge could be huge. And nobody offers more timely business advice than the Harvard Business Review. Whether it's their flagship magazine or digital content featuring articles, videos, podcasts, and more, you'll gain real-world insight into the most pressing topics facing business today. And now, for just $10 a month, you'll have unlimited access to Harvard Business Review content and subscriptions. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter promo code BUSINESS. That's hbr.org slash subscriptions, promo code business.
Well, on the note of honoring those who we've lost, the fifth coin in the American Women Quarters program, and the final one for 2022, will be released next Monday, and it features Hollywood film star Anna Mae Wong. Wong joins Maya Angelou, Dr. Sally Ride, Wilma Mankiller, and Nina Otero-Warren in circulation on the backside of a special series of quarters being released this year through 2025 by the U.S. Mint. Quoting the Washington Post, Wong is regarded as Hollywood's first Asian-American movie star. The third-generation American's career took off at a time of widespread anti-Asian xenophobia, with the Chinese Exclusion Act still in effect. She gained fame for her roles in silent films like The Toll of the Sea, one of the first Technicolor movies, and The Thief of Baghdad. But as an Asian woman, she was often relegated to playing the villain, the enslaved person, or the maid, so much so that she's often been referred to as the actress who died a thousand deaths. She tried to break out from playing the antagonist, but met resistance, in part due to restrictions on interracial displays of affection. Though Wong, born in Los Angeles in 1905 as Wong Liu disliked the roles she was cast in, they also caused problems for her with the Chinese-American community, as well as in China. She was criticized at home for perpetuating stale and demeaning stereotypes, end quote. And Karen Leong, professor of Asian Pacific American Studies at Arizona State University, told The Post, quote, Wong sought to be valued as an actress, a woman with vision and ambition, and an American, all at a time when U.S. society could not imagine a Chinese-American woman beyond the limits of racialized and gendered stereotypes of Asian women as exotic and foreign, end quote. Continuing Anime Wong's legacy, Jimma Chan will star as Wong in an upcoming biopic, which she is also executive producing. The as-yet-untitled film is based in part on Graham Russell Gao Hodge's biography of Wong. You can also watch a fictionalized portrayal of Wong by Michelle Krushek in Ryan Murphy's Hollywood miniseries on Netflix. That show got mixed reviews, but for the most part, I really enjoyed it. I would agree with some critics that it was an incomplete or even embellished portrayal of discrimination in Hollywood at the time. It takes place in Hollywood's golden years of the post-war 40s. But in certain senses, you can also see it as a sort of idealized, wishful portrayal of the time. Your mileage may vary, but it was cool to see a few real-life public figures like Wong mixed in with the wholly fictional ones. Anyways, you can get a look at The Quarter at the link in the show notes. I think Anime Wong's might be my favorite so far. Her portrait just really works for the coin design, but that's a little easier to achieve with a Hollywood star who had so many perfectly posed photo shoots done versus the other lineup of activists, scientists, and artists. Although, Maya Angelou's quarter design, which unlike the portrait style of the others, shows Angelou further away and on top of a bird in flight with a sunburst over her, is downright iconic. Definite permanent circulation level in my book. I'll see if I can dig up the previous episode in which I talked more about the American Women Quarters program, including the redesigned George Washington, who appears on the front of these quarters, and which was based on a bust done by an early 20th century sculptor named Lauren Garden Fraser. 
But again, Anime Wong's Quarter will begin shipping on October 24th, and if you want to celebrate by watching one of her movies, I put a link in the show notes to a British Film Institute article walking through her career and recommending which movies were groundbreaking for different reasons and which ones Wong really got to shine in. So, despite being relatively terrified of all the tornadoes that passed through my area as a kid in Texas, one of my favorite movies was the 1996 Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton vehicle, Twister. I have also learned in adulthood that Twister makes an awesome pinball machine, best multiball ever. And it sounds like executive producer Steven Spielberg also hasn't gotten over how great that movie about storm chasers was, because according to Deadline, his enthusiasm for a sequel, written by Mark L. Smith, who wrote The Revenant, was a big push factor in getting Universal Pictures on board to bring the sequel to life. They are still looking at directors, but hope to start production in the spring, and Helen Hunt is maybe going to return, the filmmakers hope. Now, given that Bill Paxton and co-star Philip Seymour Hoffman have both since passed away, the plot will need a little massaging. Here's the concept so far according to Deadline. Helen Hunt's character will star alongside a daughter that she had with Bill Paxton's character. The daughter also caught the storm-chasing bug from her parents, so I imagine that will be the bulk of the drama and conflict, but also, get this, the title. Because, as Vulture put it, how do you top an F5 twister with multiple twisters? The sequel will simply be called Twisters. Gotta love a sequel that just pluralizes the original title. Excellent naming scheme, A+. And speaking of sequels, HBO Max just dropped the first teaser for their upcoming A Christmas Story Christmas, the official follow-up to the original 1983 A Christmas Story. Now, there have been a smattering of spin-offs and made-for-TV sequels, but this, I believe, is the first one in which star Peter Billingsley will reprise his role as Ralphie. The teaser gives nothing away, but Mashable reports the basic concept is Ralphie returning to his childhood home with his own kids 30 years later, which will set this movie in the 1970s. You know, I feel like things like TBS's 24-hour marathons of the original movie have made it kind of stale to me. I really have no desire to watch it again, and I say that as someone who re-watches a few other Christmas movies every single year. But I think this follow-up, especially with Peter Billingsley back in his most famous role, could be, well, at least a fun movie to watch with some hot cocoa on a random weekend in December. But that's going to be it for me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a Coco Mocha Signature Latte. 
or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.